This is an SM Media production. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of The Sat Down right here on SM Media. I'm Scott McPike and I'm delighted to be here. This week I'm joined by the Scottish Claude Makaleli, former Greenock Morton, Nottingham Forest and Kilmarnock man, Alan Mahood. Alan, thanks very much for coming on the show, mate. It's a pleasure to have you on. No problem, Scott. Thanks for having me. How you been? You all right? I find it fine. Just, uh, well, no, I'm just trying to do the best we can. Um, in the circumstances, it's no easy, but again, everybody's in the same boat. What was your kind of reaction when the, the football season got called off? I think um, because you take football for granted, you don't realise how much you miss it until it's taken away for you. Yeah, I know. It's... Your routine and you, you, can't, you can't just go to games well and early like you used to, and I think that's a hard thing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you're at Kilmarnock now as the head of recruitment. Like, what was, what was the kind of big... What happened to kind of there when it was all getting called off? What was the atmosphere like at the club? It was just strange because we were working in one day and then there was rumours going about that we wouldn't be in and then the next thing it was just like everybody pack up and go home and we'll be in touch. And it was just, again, strange because you'd used to been in every day in the office and and about players and the boys coming into train and then all of a sudden that's taken away for you as well. So I think it's the normality and the routine that you miss. The, again, things you just take for granted, get up in the morning to get into work. Definitely. Are you kind of glad that the football's back and we're slowly getting back to some sort of normality? It's good. It's, it's a bit of progress because it's, we've had a couple of friendlies with the wee ones. I mm-hmm. take the under fair mark as well. Yeah. So friendlies the past couple of weeks. So it's good. It's still a bit strange um, having to text the parents and get them all the guidelines and the do's and the don'ts. But I think it's just good to see the boys back playing again. Definitely. Uh, we'll just make a start, mate. Just yeah, talk about about your early life, kind of growing up. Like, what was your family life like when you were growing up? Family life was great. I grew up in Cowan. Um, Mum and dad and two big brothers, and it was just um, youngest of three, so a bit spoiled. Um, kind of got away with murder, if you like. So I played on it, and just it was kind of football for the world go. Um, even at school, always, I actually went in early to school most days. Um, really? I kick about with the ball before school started, which um, was great. We had a, a grass pitch at the back of the, I went to the Abbey Primary in Kowan, and we had a grass pitch at the back, and you just yeah. played there for half an hour before school even started. And what was it, who were your kind of heroes growing up football-wise, and what kind of team did you follow when you were young? Um, I just loved I always followed Kilmarnock. I was brought up as a Kilmarnock supporter for I was four or five, I think, probably my first game my dad took me to. Yeah. But it was like, I watched, I loved Glenn Hoddle when he played with right, Spurs. Okay. Different class. Um, strangely, Willie Miller as well at Aberdeen. I had a soft spot yeah. for him. don't know why. Um, always somebody that stuck my head. I think when I was younger, my first team, I, was, I wasn't the most mobile well, I played sweeper because I could kick the ball right, the furthest. Okay. So probably that was why I liked watching Molly Miller. Um, Lane Hoddle was probably somebody I would have loved to have been. 
some player went there, just his ball control was a different class. See when you said there about school life as well, was it PE was your kind of a big was that your kind of big subject when you were? Was, I mean, the, if I think nowadays you can get a qualification in PE. If that was the case back then, I might have left school with something. <laughs> oh, just, I just look forward to it because it got to the stage that the PE teacher knew. But we just wanted to play football. My PE teacher was actually Alan Granger, who was a, a referee. All right, okay. So he knew that it was, it was football, so the boys got to just go and play yeah. the game. So. Brilliant. That was very good. Uh, your boys club years as well, what boys clubs did you play for when you were young? I started um, Ardea. Right, okay. When I was there, we were from Stevenson, just played at ICI near the yeah. factory. Um, I played there when I was eight. Um, and then just progressed through different different boys clubs for their own and Coan and Colts. The Ardea disbanded and a lot of the boys went to play with Coan and Colts. Yeah. It was a team just the dads had set up. Yeah. Uh, the majority of the players came there. Went for there, uh, played with Rangers amateurs. Okay. 13s, 14s, then on a Valspar, under 15s, 16s, then Bonnet and Thistle. So a few boys clubs going along, but all good, good team. Yeah, good was, it, was, that good, was that a good atmosphere back then as well? Like boys clubs was that? The coaches was, like back then? <laughs> you probably wouldn't get away with these days. I know. Dad's on the sideline shouting and bawling. Uh, <laughs> my dad being one of them. <laughs> um, it was different then. I wasn't like as much pressure. If you like, it was just. Yeah. I can remember obviously back in the day, but there's um, eight or nine boys piling in the back of my dad's car, <laughs> and you pile out and you just get changed and you play and. Yeah. There wasn't a tack, there wasn't a uh, boards with magnets on it and stuff. <laughs> Pieces that would just go and play and do your best. Brilliant. So when you kind of when you're at your bo- at your kind of boys club years, like you're Morton were kind of scouting you. Like was it just Morton that were in for you back then, or was there a few other teams? Comarnock, kid came in as well. Um, and growing up a Comarnock fan, it would have been an easy one to go. But it just. Yeah. I played with Rangers amateurs and uh, John Anderson, who I played with Morton later at Morton. He went to Livingston and Hull. His yeah. dad was a um, at Morton, Jake. Right, okay. So he'd asked me to go along, and I just I loved it. It was uh, it was an education. It was up in the, the Broom Hill, and it was an Ash Park on a Tuesday night. And if you know Greenock, there was one night a year it didn't rain. It was because it was snowing. But that was. A, because I played in the grass pitches, but I was knee uh, high. What were Ash Parts like? Well, I've no, I never ever played in one, but were they just brutal? It was... Uh, I'd done a few slide tackles until I realised that that's not what you do in the Ash Parks. Because <laughs> you're just, um, but when it was raining, it was just dead, like clay and heavy. And yeah. Up to it. Brilliant. Uh, just when your your kind of youth days at Morton, just talk us through them, like what the kind of learning curve was, getting, and then obviously breaking into the first team. But we we'll start with just kind of your your youth experiences. Well, again, I I, I still played boys club at the weekend and Morton boys yeah. club, and night that's we went up and played friendlies with Morton, um, and then as it progressed, I went in on school holidays and stuff. Um, but at the time Morton were part time, and there was like first team players in as well, so you were 
we were in amongst it um, at the age of 15, 16. Yeah. The guys that were playing regular on the Saturday in the first team, the YTS boys as they were back then. So that, again, you're getting flung in and it was a, a great education. Yeah. Obviously, like, was Alan McGraw the manager? Was he the manager yeah. even when you were that age? What was your relationship yeah. like with him? Because obviously he was there for many years and probably was the biggest yeah. friend for, for you. But what was, was yeah. you kind of a good relationship with him from the beginning? Still do. Still do. Um, he's a guy that I could phone any time, even now. Yeah. Just for a um, But back then, he was a kind of guy you could go and approach about anything. Um, not just the football side of things. And I think a lot of boys did, the kind of older ones that were maybe having a few problems off the park, but he was a kind of guy, again, he just wanted to see you doing well and, and playing in the team. Yeah. Do you remember your debut for Morton in the first team? I do. It was, we played on a Friday. Um, we used to play against the prison teams for some reason, the young boys. Um, it was like, yeah. we'd go there one year and they would come and tell us the next year. So I remember playing them, it was a, a bank holiday in the main, the Friday, so I played the full game against the prison team on Capolo. And then the gaffer pulled me after the game to say I was on the bench on the Saturday. Right. So I had actually fried off the school because it was a holiday. Right. I was still at the time. Yeah. And we played down at Somerset on Saturday, 1-1-0. And I get the last 20 minutes or something. What was it like just to come on like as your first... What age were you when you made your first team? 16. 16. But 16. Wait, what was that yeah. kind of feeling? You're still at school and you're coming in to play for a... Big, a big club at age well, 16 like, what was that feeling like? Speaking to the boys nowadays like Mark Pickering and they said when they come into the dressing room I was sitting my shirt and tie on they thought I was a mascot <laughs> well so it was just great to be in amongst it and then I remember getting on and there was a break in play I think Tam Turner was getting booked probably that was <laughs> and I was on the front post and it was just I couldn't breathe I just, the pace of the game, that was the last game of the season, but the pace of the game is still frightening. Yeah. Obviously, you can get a good run in the team after that. You, you can make a few appearances, but obviously, what, like, you're, quite a few managers and scouts have a, an interest in you. But was the, what was the kind of season like for Morton, the first kind of season where you kind of got a run in the team? How... Well, that uh, I played my last game of the season. I played there at sixteen. Then the pre-season after that, I actually broke my ankle and I right, okay, friendly. So I missed. That's when I went back to play Bonnet and just to get fitness. Yeah, following the following season again, and I I'd only started about six games before I got a move. So again, when you're that age, you you get no fears. You just go and play. Yeah, and then when like. As I said there about a few teams were looking at you, like do you do you have a feeling like when you're like the likes are like Rangers, Liverpool, Chelsea, obviously not in Forest were looking at you, but do you have like a feeling when they're like their kind of scouts are watching you? Do you know they're kinda of watching you? Again, I think just being that young and naive, you just wanted to play football. Yeah. Really bother about the, there was no pressure on me. I didn't have to like move or I was enjoying being at Morton. So there was no real pressure to go out and impress anybody. So it was just a case of going out and playing my normal game and see what happens. Yeah. And when, like, see when you look back now, like, do you, do you regret the decision of going down south? I know. No, I, I think it's something at the time I had to do because 
I could have went the day I signed with Forrest, I was meant to come and speak to Rangers. I was meant to fly back up and speak to Rangers. But okay. Rangers weren't giving boys a, a chance really. It was kinda they weren't the kind of bigger names and they were spending a wee bit of money and I just didn't feel as if I'd get a chance. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. I could have stayed in the house and travelled up to to Ibrox and yeah. things would have been different. But again, I, there's no point regretting. It was the right decision at the time. And obviously, like when not when Nottingham Forest come looking at you, like obviously the name we'll talk about is Brian Clough. We'll, I'll ask you a few Brian Clough stories in a minute. But is it when do you first hear that Nottingham Forest were looking at you? I think it was. Um, we played Motherwell in the Scottish Cup quarter-finals in 91. That was the year Motherwell won it. Right, OK. Beat uh, Dundee United 4-3 in the final. Yeah. So, I heard there was scouts coming up, and I think it was that game, at, um, the first game at Fir Park we drew, and the game went to a replay, but I'd get injured in the first game, so I didn't play in the replay, and they were back up again to watch again. Right, OK. Um, myself and Brian Reid at the time. Yeah. Um. But then, again, I was injured, but they still took me, took a chance on me, and I went down there. I got medical and stuff, they knew I was injured, but they still, still signed me. There was a big fee, was it not? Like 300,000 they paid for you? 350, but we'll not. 350. Something like that. Underestimate. <laughs> uh, I'll speak about Brian Clough. When did you first meet Brian Clough in the UK? Were you in awe of just who he was? Well, the first the day I signed, he wasn't there. Right. He was away in... A shredded wheat commercial or something at the time. That's what they all done. It was how many in both of them and all these guys at the time were filming adverts. Um, so the first time I got introduced to him was in the training pitch a, a couple of days later. And it was the chief scout, Alan Hill, would introduce me to him. And his first words were, so you're the Scotsman I've wasted all the money on. <laughs> Which isn't the biggest boost when you're just a young boy away from home and you're, you want to make an impression. What's that feeling like? Like, obviously, your family, like, did you go down yourself? Like, the family never went down? I haven't done it. I remember, remember my mum and dad dropped me off from standing with a, a Tesco pop full of my clothes and my horrible telly under my arm and thinking that. So, but again, it was, that was the, the decision I had made. So, And when you're down there, when you, you go down there as well, it's another player signs around the same time as you. You might know him, his name's Roy Keane. Do you remember? That was, uh, he, he'd signed just before me. Yeah. Uh, he'd been playing and that was the first person my mum and dad had met in the car park, funnily enough, they got introduced really? to him. And I was away signing and doing my medical stuff. Um, but I, he, I think he's a year older than me, but stature-wise and the size of him, he was just, he was like a man. And could, you see, could you see that then, that he would be, a, he would be what, he, what he became? Yeah, it was just, as he was 18, 19 at the time, but it was just, he was, he was a man already by then. Um, I think he got into boxing back home when he, he was growing up, so I think he could look after himself. Brilliant. Uh, how, how did the family feel about the move? Like, were they like in a... Obviously, you're just a young boy and your mum's worried about you leaving the, the house and stuff, but again, it was, she knew that's what I wanted to do and I wanted to get a try. But I think that was... Cause I'd, I'd flown down to speak to Chelsea. Right, okay. The thing my dad had said to me, like, I'm not going to tell you who to sign for and who not to sign for, but if you go down to London, it's a big, big place. No. I'm scared to get in there and 
get lost. Yeah. And when you're kind of getting, getting into kind of starting off at Nottingham Forest, like, is there any kind of Brian Clough stories that you remember? Just of... I think the, the biggest thing for me when I went there was I was injured and I signed in the March and I was getting treatment right up to the end of the season and I didn't actually train till pre-season the next season. Right, okay. It was hard and I didn't really see much of him. Um, but again, I, I, I travelled the year that, uh, 91, that Forrest got to a cup final. Yeah. I travelled um, the first team. I wasn't involved, but I was sitting on the bench with my, with my normal gear on, but he wanted me to get down and be involved, so I went away overnight and stuff. And, like, I was just turned 18 and a bit of bum fluff. And, yeah. Uh, he was picked up on it, he must have caught it in a light or something, but he was going at me, Scotchman, you need to shave, you need to shave. And I didn't even know what a razor was. So I, I remember Paul Gemmell saying to me, hey, I'll get you a razor. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. So I'm all <laughs> gave all this bum fluff off. But he was adamant that I was to be clean shaven. And um, he's just a stickler for stuff like that. Right. And when you're down there, like you said there was a few kind of Scottish players that were down there as well. Like, did you kind of get in with them quite quickly? No, they were getting older. It was like Brian Rice. The, yeah. Manager uh, Terry Wilson was a wee bit older, but so I was when I went down at first. I was in with all the, the ground staff boys and a big. They stayed in a big, right. um, and they get looked after. So I get fed and stuff like that. So I was kind of looked after there. But the only problem was after training every day, the boys had to do their chores. <laughs> so I was back in, the, and a few of them resented that that I was the same age and I wasn't cleaning the boots and sweeping mm-hmm. up. Animosity right away that I'd been signed for a bit of money and I, I was a bit of a threat to them. So you knew right away who was having you and who wasn't it. Right. And who was the kind of first, the kind of first team like heroes like Stuart Pierce is obviously the one that will probably stick out. But who was the kind of well, big players in that there team? Was, there was actually uh, Stuart Pierce, Des Walker, uh, Nigel Clough, and then the summer they signed Teddy Sheringham. Yeah. So it was good calibre of player. Kingsley Black, I think, was another 1.5 right, okay. million. At that time, it's a lot of money. Right. Yeah. And it's so good, good, good players. Aye. Did you feel it was a tough environment because you were injured? Would you think it would have went a lot better if you, you went down fat? Aye. Well, uh, I'm not saying it would have made a big difference, but it meant I was in amongst the boys right away and getting get to know them better rather than just when they go to training, I go in the physios room and they're just seeing boys kind of Briefly in the passing sometimes. Yeah. Was it frustration as well that that was, that, that was happening? Was it? It was because it, you've got a lot of time down there to sit and think about things as well when you're. I wasn't on loan, don't get me wrong, I ran about the boys and stuff, but yeah. it's. Oh, it gives you a wee bit of time to reflect and it wasn't, a, it wasn't the best start. Mm-hmm. And were you getting kind of homesick as well? Like, did you feel it straight? Did you feel it kind of quite quickly that. I did die. The worst thing you did. <laughs> Going home on a regular basis because just pulling your heart out, and then I had it in my contract. I think I get a few flights, um, and in my contract, I could come up on a Friday and back down a Sunday. And on some Sundays, I'm sitting thinking, I'm the no bar. Yeah, because I knew I was just getting treatment again the following week. It wasn't, I wasn't going to play or anything. Um, changed a wee bit obviously after the summer because I could play again, I was able to train, it was made it a bit easier. 
And did you think did you think you were maybe going to get a kind of first team run? Like, well, I had went away in the pre-season to Sweden with the first team. Right. Played three games and I was involved in that. But after that, I just never. I played in the reserves a few times, but never actually came in. And do do you look back now, like with hindsight, as you say, like do you look back and think what would you now say to yourself back then? Like where would you where would you choose to go? I would, I would probably give myself the same advice. Right. But I'd maybe do things different. If, I mean, if you could get down there no injured, would be a, a good start. That'd be a bonus. There's maybe things you could do after training or at nights to kind of kill your time a wee bit better right. or use your time yeah. a bit better, I should say. And it was a bit, as it was a kind of learning curve. It's obviously, when you come back, you come back later on, but was it a big learning curve to go down there and See what the what this kind of setup was like in an English side. I was just uh, obviously no disrespect to Morton, but the, the difference in the size of the clubs was immense because at Morton we were just training wherever we could, and at Park Lee and a patch of grass and stuff. And then you go down there, they get their own training facilities and stuff, and it's just a, a different ball game. But it's one of the things. And when the, the when it gets to the kind of stage where you're coming back to Morton, like what was how did it all go down when you left Norton Forest? I think well, uh, the assistant manager at the time pulled me and just says, "Look, it's not really working." And I says, "No, I agree." And he says, "Look, I'll, I'll get in touch with Morton, or I've been in touch with Morton, and um, they've agreed to take you back." So I had my bags packed and I was running up the motorway before I could change his mind. Um, and I just knew I was coming back into a safe environment, people I knew and I could trust and I wanted to be around and, and work for. Um, but the big thing when I come back was my fitness wasn't great. Yeah. At Forest, they just seemed to play five-a-sides and stuff, whereas obviously Scottish games more ones to start with and then uh, doggies up the pitch and stuff yeah. like that. I came back and um, the first few games I didn't even get stripped. All I'd done was... Joe McMaster was assistant manager. He took me for runs and fitness yeah. work before games while the boys are warming up ready to play. And I'm getting battered before games. So that happened maybe four or five games in a row until I was ready to join in again. And were you glad just to be back with like, Alan McGraw? Because a lot of the players would still have been there. Were you glad just to be back to that environment? I, I mean, that was only a year I was away, so there wasn't yeah. a bit um, Again, it just felt good to be back in somewhere that I wanted to be and obviously it's back in the house as well so it's just a, an easy fit for me it had been rumoured one of the papers I was after Forest to go to Crystal Palace or Dundee or it was a couple of clubs but I was just happy money wasn't a big thing for me I just wanted to be happy and be playing again Great uh, so obviously when you come back to Morton like they've got quite a good team back then as well like a few players like come through like who were the players you can remember that would go on like I remember Derek McInnes and David Lally were the two kind of big players, but who was Derek it? Lally, who, Derek Lally, sorry. Who were the kind of other players that were coming through then? Well, David Hopkins was there. David right, okay. moved to Chelsea as well. Yeah. Um, it was, I mean, there was good. That's what Morton were renowned for, was bringing young boys through and selling them on and giving them a chance. And I think that was a big factor as well. With Morton, when I went back, I was still only 19. Yeah. Oh, 18, 19. So I knew there was a chance that I could maybe get another move again if I, if I played well and uh, 
put my trust in the manager, which I did, and obviously it was him to me as well. It was a good atmosphere. It was a with Alan McCrory courage. I think as well, we had a good mix of young boys and old boys. We the, the kind of older players that would look after the younger ones, like yeah. me and McDonald, uh, Mark Pickering, Ron Alexander, all these guys that were kind of seasoned pros that, that knew how to look after the young boys as well because they'd been there and seen it and done it. Mm-hmm. And the kind of 1992-93 season, that was your first kind of big season back. You do pretty well, but the Challenge Cup final, you lose that. Do you remember that game? I do, uh, I lasted three minutes in that game. Why was uh, that? Well, I'd, I'd kind of got a wee injury a few weeks before in my knee, um, and I hadn't really trained or played, but it was a cup final, and I'd done a fitness test, and I passed it. Right. Uh, so, three minutes into the game, Alan Ferguson kicked the ball out for a bye kick, and I've turned, and my studs caught in the grass, and my whole body's turned, and I just heard my knee pop. Okay. No. Shoot gone. So I carried off after three minutes and that was me for 14 months at the game. So how, like, obviously, do you feel as if then when you get that kind of bad injury that your career is going to struggle just because you've had a few injuries at a young age? I think as well, you, you can tend to look at like seeing your aunt yeah. at the time going through bad knee injuries and he'd recovered and he was back playing and stuff. So you look at boys like that and it gives you a boost knowing that it can be done. I think if it had maybe been a few years before and it wasn't really a heard of thing that people were doing a cruise and coming back playing, you might have thought, it's going to be a tough one here, I might not make it. And what but, was the treatment like back then? Like How how different is it uh, to, what, to what it is now? Like Very basic, very basic. I was at a Mortimer part-time club. Yeah. So... I had to go to the Royal Infirmary in Paisley for treatment twice a week and then go into Morton and they were in training because they were only part-time so they trained at night. Aye. Um, if I'd been at a different club like a Kilmarnock at a full-time I'd possibly be back in about seven or eight months. Yeah. Just took uh, 14 months later. So just that's the way it was. And when you come back like you come back and then the 93-94 season, but it is a bad season for Morton because they, they get relegated down to the, was it the second division back then? I think it was the league reconstruction and stuff as yeah, well. And there was five you teams know. went down or something now. Yeah, so if you were struggling at all, you were you were getting relegated. But in hindsight, it might be the best thing that happened to us because we kind of regrouped and um, we done well after that. Mm-hmm. Looking, a big player back then was, was Derek McInnes. Obviously, we've seen what Derek McInnes has done as a manager, but he gets a, he gets the big move to Rangers. How how good a player was he? Derek was great. Um, Derek's still somebody that I speak to on a regular basis. We're still, still in touch after all these years. But the biggest thing about Derek, when I went in as a young boy, Derek was only a year or two older than me, but he kind of took me under his wing. Yeah. Which I appreciate even to this day. Um, but you could tell on the pitch he just wanted to be the main man um, just wanted the ball wanted to make things happen wanted to go and tackle people and go and shoot and cross the ball in and head it at his cell if he could but he just yeah. so much energy and he was all over the park and I think the gaffer made him a captain at a young age which spoke volumes as well um, again put his trust in him and 
think as well with the older players didn't have an issue with that. So that tells you again all you need to know about them. When he went to Rangers as well, you said earlier about yourself, when you were linked with Rangers, you were worried about how much they were going to, you didn't think they would give it kind of youth a chance, but were you worried for Derek then? Like, No, or, Derek's his confidence probably carries him through as well, but Derek was brought up uh, a Rangers supporter. Yeah. Different for obviously myself, so it's a big move for, for boys like that. Look, well, he's a Paisley boy, so um, your chance to go and play with your boyhood club, um, he couldn't turn it down, and he, he done great. He, he more than held his held his own when he was there, and he made a right good few appearances. So no, he, he done well. And obviously, when the next season, the nineteen ninety four ninety five, he's won the second division. He's come straight back up. Was it how good a side were you then? Like, was it a good season? Well, we were, we'd have the confidence we were going to come up with. Yeah. Again, a right good team, as you say, and the, the boys were all seeming to gel and clicking. And I think probably getting into that division, done as a world of good to get together. And yeah. That team, and it gave us another year to play him for the next you know, league. And was that a good season for yourself to get back to kind of full fitness and get back playing games? I just, uh, yeah, I just loved playing. It was, it, it didn't matter what league you were in. It was just after all the injuries I'd suffered, it was just great to be back playing a regular basis. I'd probably missed a couple of games with wee niggles and stuff, which is going to happen. But um, no, it was great just to be back playing. And how, like, how important do you think you were to that team? Like, you kind of held the, controlled a lot of the games, but how important do you think you were to that team? I think um, it was a shared responsibility throughout the team. It wasn't just like one person. It was yeah. quite solid at the back and then it went into midfield and then up front we had goals up front as well with Hawk and Lily and Rajamaki and Lindbergh were there at that time, the two fans. So, yeah. I mean, the, the team, the team, if one person wasn't playing well, they would get kind of pulled through the game with the rest of them because that was the way it was and we were a tight, tight bunch. And like the the season after, you go straight back. You you're up in the the championship as it is now, but you're so unlucky with promo- to get promotion. You lose out in goal difference to Dundee United. How big a blow was that to to lose out in promotion was, to the Premier? That was um, that was a major blow because I think we'd put so much into that season, and I, I, I'm right in saying it came down to goal difference possibly. Aye, it was what I think it was like um, three goals in it or something. But aye, and. I wasn't playing the last game. The last game was against the United at Capo. Yeah, right. It was a full house and I was injured and I wasn't playing. It was probably one of the games I'd have loved to have played on. Because you can't do anything for the sidelines. You can't help or try and dictate anything. But the United are a good team at that time. They spent a bit of cash. Yeah. Um, they, had a good, they had a big squad as well. So to run them that close um, was a big thing for us. And I think... I'd have liked to have seen how we fared in the Premier League. I think we'd have had to make signings right enough, but Aye. the boys that like Sayani and um, Marco deserved a wee crack at the Premier League just to see how they'd done. Mm-hmm. And were they kind of, the, the two Finnish boys you said there, were they, were they good players? Great. Um, Marco probably gets a lot of credit, the long, blonde, flowing locks. and I think people speak about him, but for me, Yanni was different class than midfielder. He... He came in and just introduced stuff to us that we were, I mean, he was stretching off after games and stuff, and you're, you know, 
under when he's up. It's just because he was an international player. Aye. Um, he was just he could take the ball, he could pass with any foot. He was energetic. He was, he was brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, obviously, like uh, the season after, did you did you just get into that season thinking we've got a right chance at promotion here? I think we probably did, but it wasn't as easy as we, th- we thought. We thought it was going to be. It was because um, then obviously teams take notice of you because you no. see you before. So that makes it even harder again when people are up in their game against you. Um, it was a tough season. You finished eighth. It was, but obviously after that season, uh, McGraw leaves. How you know big a shot was that when you heard he was leaving? There was a lot of turmoil at the club at the time. Uh, um, different takeovers and stuff, and different people coming and going. And I think it was just the right time for the gaffer to go. I think he. Um, he'd done great. He'd been there for years, obviously, as a player as well. Yeah. And then as a manager, and he'd done great. But I think it was just wanted a change. Um, which is fair enough. Yeah. Club done. Um, it's just hard when it's something like that. It's put their life and soul into the club. Um, and when McGraw leaves and Billy Stark comes in, like, how were you kind of buzzing that? Because Billy Stark had done, had obviously been Tommy Burns' assistant at Comarnock and Celtic, but you kind of wasn't that that kind of name was coming into the club. Well, I think it as well. It, it just takes a wee bit of time to um, these transitional period for people as well, and I think everybody was looking forward to it. It's about Peter Weir in them as well, obviously. Yeah. Um, and me, Frank Connor, who'd been at Celtic, right? But again, it was just different for what the boys were used to. So I think that takes a bit of time getting used to as well. Yeah, and just uh, we mentioned how good Alan McGraw was for your career, but just talk us through like how how much he was, how much, how important he is to you like, as a as a kind of figure. Oh, I mean, he's even like I say, even now I can pick up the phone and just phone him, um, just have a blather, everything and nothing, just to see how he's doing. And yeah, last year was his 80th, and we went along. Me and a few of the ex-players went along to celebrate at Caplow, and he had a wee we did in the hospitality and it just shows everybody was what every part of it because of, of who he is. Brilliant. Uh, what was the kind of big differences for Alan McGraw to Billy Starr? Like, what was the big things you saw like difference-wise? Well, obviously, Gaffer, his problems with his knees and stuff was, was hardly ever out in the training pitch as such. Yeah. It was all number two that looked after it. Whereas Big Starkey was always, he was always there and, um, always involved and could always oversee everything that was going on as opposed to just leaving up to his number two. Um, but there's no, there's no big difference. Yeah. Just with maybe different ideas, but at the end of the day, it's, it's still football. Mm-hmm. In 1997-98, that was your last season with Morton, you finished sixth. Like, how do you look back on your time at Morton? Now? I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. Um, it was a great education for me and more importantly I met boys that I'm still in touch with like Derek Lilly, John Anderson, Derek McKenna, saw these boys by Brian Reed. 25, 30 years later, over 30 years or something. Um, and that's why I take out my time there. It's, it, it shows you what kind of club it was when you're still pals with the boys that were there. There's a lot of... Is that a very good family club as well? Like... Aye, because they... We used to all get together and have nights out and stuff as well. I'd go for something to eat and after training we go and play snooker and go for something to eat with the boys. And it was just, um, it was easy. 
it was like it wasn't I know boys now that I've played with guys for years and never speak to them. Yeah. It's just a, a somebody you with. Whereas we were we were tight and we would like nights out together and and doing things and socialising as well, the other side of it. That's great, that's brilliant. Uh, you move on, obviously that season you move on to Komama. Like how how did that come about? Were you was there other clubs kinda of looking at you and how did the kind of Komama? It was kind of rumoured the season before the year that Kelly won the cup. Um, I was linked to them then and nothing happened. That was in 97, 98. Um, and then it was just, again, kind of rumours that I was, because I'd been out of contract at Mark, my contract was running out. So that was the, the Bosman days. Yeah. And so that was, people could leave for free and... Um, Again, it was rumoured I was gone and things were happening and then it just kind of all fell into place. I spoke to Bobby and um, he said he wanted to sign me, so it was a no-brainer for me. It was a, up the league and it was a, a team I'd all supported, so it was a... I didn't tell him, but I'd have played for nothing for him, but Sorry. I didn't tell him that. And Bobby, you say, but you said about Bobby Williamson there, just like how, how good a manager was he? Bobby was great. Bobby again, he wasn't a, he wasn't overly and his tactics and stuff, he would tell you a wee bit of shape and we would work in shape maybe on a Thursday out in the back park. But if, if we won on a Saturday, Bobby would come in the fall and meet and just open the door and say, same team, same subs. Really? The door again. No, it was that. So you, you knew if you were in the team there's a chance if you won you would stay in it. Right. And that was an incentive for you. Obviously, your move coincides with the kind of new Scottish Premier League. Like, were you? What was the kind of big talk about that? When, obviously, how much things were changing. It was obviously TV deals and things. But how, how big a buzz was that? Like that new league was kind of starting just as you were coming into it. I think um, the biggest thing was waiting to see what your squad number was going to be because that was that get introduced. Yeah. To show you how important you actually were. <laughs> <laughs> so. My number was 14 because he named his strongest 11, which was fair enough for the, the previous season. Um, plus, Durante was in there. And then the goalie, Big Melly, I think, was 12. There was no number 13 at the time. Yeah. And then I was the next oldest at 25. So I got number yeah. 14. So we worked it. So from 14 all the way up, like me, Burke and Beggy were 25, 26 because they were just young boys. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, Koyster came in and he took the number 13. Yeah. I spoke to Mark Roberts. Mark Roberts been on the show and he spoke about when Durant and McCoy's came in as well. Just what were they two like as figures? I, I think it just gave the club a boost. I think it just... Um, it, Marlon used to do the open days every year and that first year there was a queue a mile long just waiting for Coisty's autograph. Really? That is just the kind of guy he is. He's got that kind of charisma that even though... Some of them didn't like him because of where he came from, what team he'd left. They still kind of knew it was Ali McCoyst and he was going to bring something to the, to the party. And then, uh, first game of the season, they got a hat trick. Mm-hmm. So that was his opening introduction to the fans. Mm-hmm. Do you remember your debut for Komama? I actually played an official debut as Monty Ray Montgomery's testimonial against Celtic. All right, okay. Park, I played that game. But my first, I 
official game was away in Bosnia. Mm-hmm. Against Seljeznikar. Seljeznikar, overlayer, we drew one each. What was that like just playing in Europe? like? Great. Um, obviously a bonus for me because I was just used to playing domestically, but um, it was a total eye-opener. I went out there, it was still kind of war-torn and there was, yeah. um, we stayed in the hospitality inn, if I remember right, but there was like bullet holes in the walls and outside and stuff. And um, We get told there was a square, like in a market square, don't walk across there yourself because you'll just get picked off. Really? Yeah. And us being us, after the game, wanted a pint. So <laughs> I had to sneak across this place and a wee boozer to get a beer. But um, it was a real, a real eye opener. I think behind the stadium is like just a mass grave with all the, the bodies for the war and stuff. It was terrific. Oh uh, you spoke about there, like McCoy and Geraint bringing in like a kind of atmosphere. Like, what was the team spirit like? I spoke to Mark as well. Mark said it was a great team spirit. That great. great, we used to have a wee Tuesday club because we'd be off on a Wednesday so the boys would train hard on the Tuesday and then we'd meet up for something to eat and a few other things after, after. Uh, No, we'd, we liked a few beers as a team we were, we were quite good that way we'd go out on a Tuesday and just uh, have a laugh and a carry on and then off on a Wednesday back to work on a Thursday and it was great who were the kind of characters in that team that, that brought the kind of good atmosphere? There was lo- loads of different. You had a big mask on. Marshall was the goalie. Obviously, great experience. Been at Celtic for seven years. Yeah. Um, next to him is wee Gus McPherson that would moan the face off you for anything. Yeah. And next to him, Dylan Kerr, who's English and just up for everything. And it just away along the line, it was just a different character, every one of them. But they were good together. Everybody mixed in and, and got on fine. Mm-hmm. It was a great season that first season. You finished fourth and you scored your first goal against Aberdeen and you kind of got a good run in the team. Do you remember just the, the memories for that season? Well, my first goal, my first actual goal was in Europe before the return leg for that. Oh, uh, Aye. Um, that was my first goal but that season I was kind of in and out the team. I still had to kind of prove myself and obviously yeah. Durante was in my position, so you've got to kind of hold your hands up and say, right, I need to be good if I'm going to shift him out the team. Because at that time, Bobby didn't think me and him could play together. Right. Um, something happened away. I'll never forget away to Dundee. Something happened. The ball got cleared out. I laid it to Durante. He shot. And I think after that, Bobby thought we could maybe, we could maybe work together. And so the first season, again, I was kind of in and out and Used to say I get wheeled at the cupboard for the old fun games and just go and man match Sunday and then back in the cupboard. And, but I enjoyed it. I was just mm-hmm. in, in amongst it and, and get a chance when I did and try to take it. Mm-hmm. And Kilmarnock were kind of the only one of the only teams like they didn't bring a lot of foreigners in. Like they didn't like just that team spirit obviously helped to get through the the kind of four, to get fourth place. Do you, did you agree with that? I, I think all the the boy well apart from Dylan he's a he's an Englishman so. Uh, Jerome was there, but it, again, as you say, it wasn't a, it wasn't a loads of, of fun boys. But I think because a lot of the boys had been there and done it before, yeah, easier because they knew what to expect and what, how to make demands of each other and ourselves. Um, 
and Europe was also a big thing, heading for fourth place for us and getting in every year was was one of the main priorities. Yeah. Uh, the season after, uh, as I said about foreigners, uh, Bobby Williamson brings two in, uh, Christoph Kokard and Freddie Dindaloo. Do you remember how good yep. they were? Because I thought they were class when I, I kind of started watching them. Freddie was deceiving because Freddie, Freddie wasn't quick and that's where it's coming for me, but Freddie, <laughs> this, but he could read the game. Yeah. And he was really comfortable on the ball, which made it a lot easier when you're playing in front of him, but I, I thought Freddie was different class. Um, Kokar just done his own thing. He just played, he was off the cuff. He, he done this step over thing that you knew he was doing. It was like an exaggerated step over, but the amount of boys I've seen Kokar sending for a pie, just be doing the, even a double shuffle and yeah. them and just unbelievable. Did he play with Marseille Cold Card? I'm not sure. I, I know he, he played in France and oh. the national team as well. Um, so he had quality. Nah, he was a good player, yeah. Uh, that, that season though, you got a bad injury. Do you remember what happened? If it's, if it's the injury I'm thinking about, I think it was against Hibs and I've lost the ball. So I'm keen to win it back and the ball's went up in the air and I went in for a header, which was something I shouldn't have done. I think it was about five yards away and I've challenged the boy because I've come down, I've went over my ankle. Yeah. Um, again, it's part and parcel of football, but when you're in the run of games and you think you're part of the team, part of the fixtures and then you get an injury, it's a real blow. And was it, was it, a, was it a struggle just to, to get back in the team because there was a lot of players kind of vying for your position and things like that? It's always a challenge, even when you're fit. It's always it's good to know there's guys there that are pushing you all the time. Yeah. Um, and again, when you're out the team and you're coming back for injury, you're back at square one. You have to prove your fitness again, and you're that you should be in the team, and they shouldn't. So it's always every day's a challenge. How long were you out for with that injury? I can't even remember. Too long, too long because too long. it was all again. It was you're in the team and you're. you're Everything's going great, and then all of a sudden you're back out again, and it's start again. Mm-hmm. The following season, the 2000-2001 season, they kind of come on and made the League Cup final, but mm-hmm. come up against Martin O'Neill Celtic. It was a 3-0 defeat, and Henrik Larson scored a hat-trick, but it was the kind of memories for that game, and how good was Larson to play against? I think, um, I think just the, again, getting there was... I think the year before we missed out in the semis to Celtic. That's right, yeah. Getting to the final. And then the uh, boys done great to get to the final again for this one. And it was just about, I think we were doing the C-Mill. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, done a bit of training. And then I just remember going on the bus. I think Coy stayed Bruce Springsteen on the bus, just driving out. Um, just going into Hamden and everything was ready to go. And... I think the biggest thing Bobby was saying was just go and get a good account of yourself. Yeah. Um, so, first half, nothing each half time. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd done well, we held our own, and uh, Geranti went off. Mm-hmm. After, and I think we Mavis come on from that, Riley come on. It's, it's no disrespect to, to Mavis because he's a great, he was a great player. I think because Giannani had been doing so well and kind of running the show a wee bit and then he goes off and kind of fell flat. Um, and you've seen a few heads going down as if that was a chance. 
Yeah. Um, and then again, Larson speaks for himself, different class. Um, hard trick. Just one of the ones that sticks in your throat a wee bit. You're just thinking we could have been if we maybe got a wee, a wee sniff first and get an early goal. We might have beat us 3-1, 4-1 or yeah, yeah. team back then. Mm-hmm. But uh, when you're saying that as well, do you, is it just an honour just to go play, come out for your boyhood team at the, the National Stadium in a cup final? Aye, it's great for me. Um, obviously, your whole family's there to support you as well. Um, and they can, it's a big, a big day for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, it was great. I enjoyed it. Although the result could have been better. I think, again, at night, the kind of spirit we had, we went for an Italian, the whole team went an Italian, some to eat, and a few drinks, and just what could have been. But Just when you I touch on that as well, like who, were the, who were the kind of best players you were up against like, and they gave you the kind of toughest test? Well, they, we played against games. Celtic. It was always... Um, I was always to man Mark Petrov. That wouldn't be easy. Oh, yeah. Great. And then uh, when we played Rangers, it was always De Boer. So it, was always, it was always a challenge. But it was one I always realised. But yeah. I mean, I tell, tell stories about you're at Ibrox and you put the feet for De Boer and you get booked and you look up at the clock and there's like 10 minutes gone and you think, it's going to be a long day. But again, you just... You, you take a bit of pride that the manager puts trust in yeah. that job. Definitely. Um, granted, I didn't do it great all the time, but I'd, I always gave it my best. That's but, a good... Uh, you, well, I had a good season that year. We finished fourth again, and you were kind of the most consistent player in the team. And you rounded it off by scoring the winning goal against Celtic at Rugby Park. Yeah, that, that was... Um, a good season. Great. Again, I, I, I think I played most of the games, and... Um, when I was fit, I get selected and um, we had to beat Celtic and that got us into Europe. Yeah. Um, not only that, I think it was Ali McCoyst and Paul Wright's last yeah. club and it was Big Boy Day's debut. Mm-hmm. So it was a kind of end of an era for the, the two kind of more mature strikers and then the young pop coming in and getting his debut, which was obviously the rest is history for the beginning, but um, <laughs> I was just, it's good to be involved with these people and again, boy, there's somebody I still keep in touch with. Um, good to see he's doing so well for himself. And, yeah. Uh, but um, he was one when he was coming in, you just knew he was something special. Um, two feet for anywhere and shoot for anywhere, I may add as well. Would you say he was the best finisher you played, you played with? Uh, he was up there. Uh, I would have to say somebody mentioned earlier Mark Roberts I thought his finishing was great um, Marco couldn't run either as no. well he's a good Marco but um, his finishing with either, either foot was great for me Marco mm-hmm. and obviously at the end of that season Bobby Williamson leaves for Habs he leaves at the beginning of the next season like was that a shock when you heard Bobby was leaving it was it was because I thought um we would go on and build again uh, in, the, in the good season with Todd. I thought he'd maybe make a couple of signings, bring a couple of boys in to freshen things up, maybe let a couple more go and we'll, we'll push on again. But oh, it never happened. And obviously Jim Jeffries and Billy Brown come in. Like, how, how good a management team were they when they come in? Well, I didn't really. I didn't. I obviously knew who they were, but I never 
really much dealings with them before, but yeah. uh, again, they had been working together for years at different clubs, so they knew each other inside out, but they, they were looking for the team, so you knew when the, when the new manager comes in, he's going to make changes and yeah. he's going to put personnel in, which he did. Um, and I was quite happy that I survived. Were you worried at the start of that that you might lose your, your kind of place in the team? I think you always worry because um, you've been used to the other manager and you've, you've done well for him and uh, he's rewarded you with a, a place in the team and then a new man comes in, it's a clean slate for everybody. Yeah. And it's what I was talking about coming back for injury to prove yourself again, but this time it's a different manager and different styles. Um, so you worry, I, you, your faith in your own ability, but you still worry that um, he's maybe came with a, a preconceived idea of you that he doesn't like you, or he's seen you before, and he's not having you. So it's always, it's always strange. Yeah. See, just while we touch on that season, do you remember the UEFA Cup game against Viking Stavanger? Remember that? I remember the away game. Uh, the away game. I always slag Gary Hare about it because he'd an absolute nightmare. So I like to remind him of that. Um, I can't really remember the game at our place. I just remember I was at that game and I remember it was a, right. it was like the day after 9-11 and it was like a big minute silence. I just remember right. that. I just, that game always sticks in my head. I just remember that, sticks, that game always sticks in my head for some reason. But I remember, okay, you, I remember watching that game and you, were, you played really well. I just remember like just... Because you, like, you always, you were kind of one of those players that always stuck start in my mind, like, you just covered ground, you just covered ground, cleared your lines and just was a kind of unsung hero of the team, I just remember. But that game stuck in my mind, just how good you were that game. Well, that's funny you say that good, that, I should remember it, and if it's one of the games, I can't remember, but I remember most of the, the European stuff, the European games, I think I was lucky enough to play in Europe maybe 10, 11 times. Yeah. Um, and I remember most of the games um, fondly, even though we we get beat most of the games. It was just good um, pick your bits against different players in different countries, see different stadiums. Yeah. Is it just good as well? Right? Is, it, is it just good to get and see other places and see how other teams gonna shape up in different countries to play football? I think. Um, Scottish football, you, you could play against a team six times with the, the league and the cups and yeah and stuff, and you get to know boys that you don't particularly know, if you know what I mean. You're, you're talking away if you know them, but it's only because you played against them that many times. Yeah. But you get into Europe and it's, it's Kaiser's Lounge, you're playing against international players, and then you go to Czech Republic and you're playing a, again different styles. And I was. I always remember um, putting a tackle in on a boy and upending him. He's lying wriggling about and his teammates saying to me, Mahoud, Mahoud. And I'm thinking, I've made it here. This guy knows who I'm <laughs> the back of my shirt. <laughs> so, I was a quick bump back then again when I realised that he was just reading my name. But uh, no, it was always good. Always good to get away something different. Yeah. And that, see, like that season after the 2002-2003, you become kind of one of the big players in that team, like you're just master consistency. Who from that team was kind of good to play alongside? Like who was who was a kind of best midfield partner? I think yeah, by that time Steve Fulton would be in. Yeah. 
and Fulte was a good player. Like he always got a bit of stick. He was a bit heavy. He wasn't fit that, but that wasn't the truth. Fulte could get about, and he's a great left foot on him. It was just one of the things you knew what he was going to do, and he knew what you were going to, and you could play together and had a right good understanding. And then that kind of moved on to big boy there up front. You could link in with him, and he knew what runs to make, and you knew what he was going to do. And it's just when it all clicks, it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, you touch on like Kumar had a, a kind of solid backline. Like Gary Hay was is kind of the, the player who was always sticks to me, like how long he was there. But how good a player was he? Cookie was brilliant. I mean, I still Cookie's done take one of the youth teams as well, so I see him on a regular basis still. But he was just had so much energy and he was up and down all the time and try to get crosses on and then back defending and there was nothing on. It was like he was, but he just looked like as if he could blow him away, but he wasn't. He was one. He was always in about people and um, he gave again. He was a he grew up a Kelly fan, so another one it meant so much to him to play for the jersey and um, just go out and give his all every game. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Do you remember the, the last day of the season that year? Yeah, man. No, 2 or 3 was the, the big kind of game. Rangers played in Fairland at Ibrox. That's right. Celtic came to Rugby Park. Yep. Level and goals. What was the kind of memories of that day and was it just trying... Just, what was it, what were the just... instructions before that game? Like, what was Jim Jeffries saying? I think it was because it was a it was an absolute sellout. There was people sitting everywhere and they were just cramming in. And it was one of the games that you just love to play in because there was no pressure on us. And um a full a full rugby park is different class because yeah. it doesn't matter. Um the place was absolutely jumping. And I think that's one of the big things for me. I know that's impossible. It's a dream to think it would be jam-packed every week, but that is brilliant when you see the atmosphere and the, um, the crowds and everybody just right up for the game. It, that's what I remember. It just it was kind of hear them, scare them, because they obviously had to score, and then the results are coming in for right. just game, and the Kelly fans are cheering just to wind up the Celtic fans, and it, it was it was good. It was a, it was actually a good day. It was a good. Good one to play in. And the season after was your last season. That was your last season with Kilmarnock, like, 3 or 4. Yep. You only played six games that season. Like, what, what kind of happened there? Like, I had... Uh, so I'd done my cruciate my right knee. It was my left knee. Um, I gave up on me a wee bit because I think I'd overcompensated on yeah. each side. And um, I remember I was due to go in for an operation um, it was my cartilage and then Billy Brown had heard about it and come in and said to me, it was in the gym and he says, you can't, you can't go in for an operation because you're short of players, we need you. Daft mm-hmm. maybe, but I went, no, that's fine. So I, I'm sure I went on a bench at Mullow, then I ended up coming on at right back or something. I think we found get sent off that day and I come on at right back. and Again, I, my, my knee was swelling up after every game, after all the training sessions. Then I, I put off another operation just to help them out again. And then eventually I couldn't I could hardly walk and train and stuff. So I went in, uh, got a scope done. And Alec McQueen was a physio at the time. And he says to me, look, he says, the, the size of the slice on the cartilage, you shouldn't even be walking. Never mind trying yeah. to play. It's gone. Um, so again, that was tough. 
rehab and try to get back for that. And I always remember the manager saying, hey, I like the physio. Look, tell him, because my contract was up at the end of that season. Um, Jeffrey's saying, tell him, no, hey, don't push it. It's not about getting a contract. It's just about him getting fat again and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it got to the end of the season, they pulled me in and freed me. <laughs> so it was a bit of a blow. Um, maybe I was being a wee bit romantic. I was hoping it became another year just because I obviously had put a couple of operations off and I'd played the past two seasons every game. And um, I was thinking, right, give me a year. What he did say was, if you can't find a club, come back in and I'll, I'll let you train with pre season. Yeah. Um, Maybe my pride kicked in a wee bit and I said no. Um, so, aye, it was at the age of 31, it was a, a wake up call to fit because everything had been fine up till yeah. then. I, um, I hadn't been freed or wasn't even looking for clubs as such. I was I was very fortunate and then at that, um, getting called in to say you're not required, it's, it was a bit of a blow, but again, I wasn't the first and I'll not be the last. Yeah. So what was your, how would you kind of sum up your time with Kilmarnock then, like, how good, how good again, an experience was it? Again, a great education for me and um, just a privilege to play. I, um, growing up supporting a team and then actually getting to play for them and everybody would say, oh, it's only Kilmarnock. For me, that was a be-all and end-all. Um, fortunate enough to score for them, fortunate enough to captain them on a few occasions. Yeah. So that sum it up is a great, great experience. For me personally. Brilliant. You move on, obviously, at the end of that season, you move on to Ross County. What happens there? Uh, I knew a few boys that were at Ross County, big Jimmy Lachlan. Right, um, okay. Like Burke, like Colin Stewart, they were up at uh, Ross County at the time. And they said to me about getting up. Um, so I went up. But it was nice. Alex Smith was the manager at Ross County at the time. Yeah. I went up. Um, training was great it took some great young boys John Rankin Steve McGarry these kind of Don Cowie these young boys that were all yeah. energy and loving life and it was kind of made you feel young again when you were in amongst them um, and I had went in to see Alex Smith and he says look I'm I'm wanting to sign you to Christmas but I need to you need to bring the family up as a, a whole you need to all move up here because there's married boys who've been up here before and just on their own and they're out drinking and no living the, the yeah. life properly. So we want the family to come up. But at that time, my wee fella just started nursery. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I take him out of nursery, he was kind of settled and stuff. So that, that's why it didn't work out there. I, I mean, I was willing to go up because at that time, I think Gary McSweegan had been up before me and he was on a three year deal. Right. Money and good security, and he was older than me, Swaggy. So I was thinking, I was looking at that and thinking, well, that could be another two or three year um, security as well as, as playing. Um, didn't happen, mm-hmm. and, and ended up at St Johnson. Mm-hmm. It was John Connolly signed you. John Connolly, um, unfortunately, was signing everybody at that time, so it was like Sucky Hall Street, and he went into the. And, he used to laugh, it was a kind of walk of shame on a Saturday we named the team and there was honestly about another 11 players that were on the strip. Yeah. They had to go out and do laps of the park before games and stuff. So I was staying in Erskine at the time and it was like, take me two and a half hours to get to training. 
and at the age of 31, I was kind of falling out the car like a tin man and you're going to try and train. And then the, the chairman at the time insisted we do double sessions. We were on the earning our cash, so why do you do double sessions? So by the time you're leaving there, you're getting caught in the rush of your traffic. Coming back down the road, you're getting in about half five, six. And just eventually I thought, oh, I can't, I can't keep doing this. So, but you go back, to, you, you go back home, you go back to Morton with Jim McAnally, yeah. you close, can I finish your career? Was Jim, that was a fitting place to can end your career? I think it was a heart on the head. Aye. It was an easy one for me to stay in Erskine at the time and it was just in the quarters, which I, I had my training gear, they gave your training gear away, so I was able to leave the house at quarter to ten and be training for five to ten and ready to go. Um, it was, again, I it wasn't probably the best move for me, but it suited me at the time. Mm-hmm. And was it just, were you just brought in for kind of just an experienced head? Like, was that? I think so. I think so. I, cause I didn't play much, but it was just good to, again, be around about it. it was e. Chris Miller and Jim McAllister, these kind of boys. Yeah. Well. So, young boys, again, that were all starting to you know, make a name for themselves. And, it was just good to be part of that and been amongst them. Mm-hmm. And you finish up, you finish up playing. Like, why, why did you finish up? Was it just injuries and? I it just I think I was thirty two and it was at a stage where all the injuries had just caught up with me. Um, and I just thought, rather than somebody else make the decision for me, it'll be easier for me just to hold my hands up and say I've I've enjoyed my time, but no point flogging it. Mm-hmm. A very good career. Like, what did you kind of do after football? Not much. <laughs> I kind of I left Morton that day. I mean, I went home and just thought, wow, I have absolutely no idea what I'm going to do now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had no plan for it. I had no, I just, as a footballer, you love no it's, I think, to be fair, it's changed days now. You're kind of more um, educated on life after football and yeah. Watch and make use of your time and stuff but back then you, you're in a wee bubble and you think it's going to last forever and then eventually somebody pops your bubble and you realise you're in a big bad world but I'm not ashamed to say I signed on for a wee while I, I, I didn't know what else to do so I went to job centre and um, the girl said to me so what has you learned to do and I went you tell me I, I, I've actually not got a clue I, all I know for leaving school to know is football mm-hmm. There's no many jobs come up in the job centre for people to get involved in football. Yeah. Mm. I was lucky because I'd also made connections when I was playing and Stuart Rafferty was the development officer for Inverclyde at the time. I played with Stuart at Morton. Yeah. Um, so he got me in the schools doing a bit of coaching. Uh, the kind of McDonald's stuff that yeah. was on and a wee bit of uh, food standards agency stuff. Just going around the primary schools and delivering football. Which I enjoyed. Um, obviously, it wasn't enough to pay the bills. It wasn't a full time gig. Mm-hmm. And then I met Paul McDonald, ex Hamilton, okay. yeah. at the time. And he was doing the same. So I was kind of split my time between uh, Inverclyde and then Ayrshire doing a bit of work for Paul. So I was kind of getting a wee bit more hours and um, I just kept my head down and tried to get involved in stuff like that. And eventually it led to a full-time job in at Kilmarnock with Paul in the community uh, department. And how good was that just to go back to Kilmarnock and just do a different role? Like, 
was great. It was great. It was just seeing a different side. Um, because when I played, it was always the commercial department were saying, right, come on, this wee school, and come on and do this. And I was going, oh, that busy. Like, you didn't appreciate it back then. And then I would, the shoe was another foot, and I'm saying to all the first team boys, come on, I need you to come to this school for me. And it was the you know, payback time. But no, I, I enjoyed it. We, we were really, really busy. It was Monday to Saturday. And then if the team were playing at home on Sunday, you're in, it was, it was, uh, it was all go, but no, it was good. Mm-hmm. And then you get the, the kind of head of recruitment job. Like, what was who were the kind of players you brought? We kind of brought in then that like, have, have done pretty well doing that job. Well, it's the, the head of recruitment for the academy, the yeah. young boy. So I kind of put out a wee advert for uh, voluntary scouts um, last year, just before the end of the year, and I had a great response about 20 25 boys wanted to come in and, and do a wee bit of scouting for us yeah and it was just gonna get up and running we were kind of making a wee bit of progress and we were identifying players that were needed at what level and what age and then obviously the everything ground to a halt um and it's a shame because we were i felt as if we were progressing there was nothing really had been in place like that before yeah and we were identifying young kids and bringing them because we've we start really young, like six, seven-year-olds, yeah. um, up to the age of 16. Um, and we were, again, I thought we were, were covering a lot of areas. Before it was like myself, Wally Fisher, who's been there for years, and just another couple of guys that would try and see games, as many games as you can, which is obviously yeah. important in the area. Um, but then we do these guys that were, Really, really keen to go and watch games for all over Ayrshire and beyond. It was great, great for us. And I was getting their match reports in on Monday and typing things up and seeing where they could go and cover. And uh, people were tapping names off to me. So I was able to say to them, instead of me having to worry about trying to go and see them, I could say, right, you go and watch this player. And they were loving it. It was great. And then obviously things are being out of your hands. Uh, so what like see like from your era, like when you were coming through as a young boy, like what do you think the big differences are for like youth development then to youth development now? Like what do you see as the big kind of differences? I think now it's more structured. Um our boys have to fill in diaries and stuff, food diaries, exercise diaries, uh, watch clips of their games and have to do a wee match report, their own self-analysis and a team analysis, things like that to try and improve them as players. <coughs> Excuse me, whereas back when I was that age, I didn't have things like computers and that. Right. And you just went and played, and if you done well, you done well. If you didn't, you try and play well the next game. But whereas now it's all quite, um, it's it's all led towards them being a better player and a better person, um, yeah. and preparing them for life. If it doesn't work out, so there's. Our first and second year professional players now, the boys do a modern apprenticeship course at college. Right. Ayrshire College. Yeah. So that's every Monday and what they'll do is um, Big Alan Johnson runs a course, Big AJ, and he sends them out stuff and they need to fill in forms and then they watch their cell and what can I do better and what did I do well and just it's things like that that we never had. Um, and it's it's hard to get the players to buy into it sometimes because, again, all they want to do is play football. They're not really want to sit on their computer or mm-hmm. fill in because it's a bit school-like. But, again, we try and 
point out that it's for their benefits, not for ours. Yeah, brilliant, definitely. Uh, how do you how do you kind of see football changing after after what's kind of happened the past kind of four or five months? Like, how do you how different do you think it will be when we get back to normal? At that I'm, hoping, I'm hoping it just kind of gets back to full houses or crowds in, if you like, and I can't see it in the near future, unfortunately. Yeah. But I'm hoping it eventually gets to the stage where you can just go along to a game again and. It's a big social, a lot of people rely on it socially. Um, and again, it's a big thing for the mental health side. It's mm-hmm. times maybe elderly people, that's their only form of company, is the, the football, and they go along and meet up with people and um, have a blather. They're not getting that just now, and yeah. it's a big impact in people's lives. Um, but I'm just hoping that someday it can actually get back to what, what we're used to. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Are you all right closing with some quick fire questions? Of course am I. Brilliant. Uh, first one I've got here is, who would you say was the best player you ever played with? Me say Duran. Duran. Just how good was he though? Like, see when obviously you said about injuries, just how good a player was he when he came to Kilmarnock? Because he gets a Scotland cap out of it. Just well, he was, he was supposedly past his best when he came to us. And... I'd have loved to have seen him at his best then because I thought for us he was different class. He would just encouraged me so much just to go and take the ball. And there was there were times there was three in the midfield, me, him and John Henry, and he'd be playing the middle, then he'd shout me in to play in the middle for ten minutes while he went to the right and just different thing. Big Mars would come and catch the ball and Durant would take it off from the eighteen yard box and I'm going, no. <laughs> And he'd say, No, just give me the ball and he'd go and play. And if he lost the ball, it didn't affect him. Mm-hmm. And, no, it was, a, it was good to learn off somebody like that. Definitely brilliant. Uh, best player you played against? Fortunate enough, domestically, to play against the likes of Gascoigne and Loudrup and Larson and Maravchik, these kind of players. Um, Europe, oh, I'd have to say, I keep dropping his name in. Gorkaya, uh, played against him when he was at Kaiserslautern. Right, okay. How good? Aye, he was good. Oh, right? Year before. Aye. So. That's no bad. Mm-hmm. He was class. Never played with Bolton as well, didn't he? Aye, brilliant. They did, did some team at that time, right enough. Aye, aye, he was good. Uh, Favourite away ground? Um, I liked Ibrox and Parkhead. Usually because they were talking the atmosphere was brilliant. And yeah. He would, Parkhead especially, I was always last out for some reason, whether I was a starting 11 or a sub, but I was always last out and you could hear when the captains reached the pitch and you were still at the back. You knew they were out there because of the, the level of noise. And it was just deafening. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, what would you say was an interesting fact about yourself that nobody else would know? When I was, when I was unemployed, I'd done a few courses. Um, so I've actually qualified as an NLP practitioner. Really? Which is, I don't know if you're familiar with, it's neuro-linguistic programming. It's people that come and speak to you if they've maybe got anxieties or fears and stuff. So I'm qualified in that. And I also done really? a, a tiling course. Really? Done a wee tiling course. So if anybody needs a bathroom tile, <laughs> then I'm your man. Brilliant. Do you use that? Can I see that course you got there for anxiety? Do you use that with the players you're kind of bringing through? Like, you, you use it without them knowing. Yeah. You don't, don't sit them down a chair and say, right, 
talk to me. You mm-hmm. kind of talk to them on a level that they don't know that you're getting information at them. Right. But just it's like an everyday conversation and a matter of fact chat, but you're you're getting stuff out there that they don't know they're telling you. So I enjoy that side of stuff. You're doing it every day, whether yeah. people don't know. Yeah, and were you doing it kind of through lockdown as well? Like, were you keeping in touch with it? Well, we'd, we'd been doing Zoom chats and stuff as Aye. well, so it's, it's good to keep in touch with the boys as well. Because they're at, boys at a funny age, just the young ones that I have at 13, they've got, they've all got a care in the world. they just playing football and everyone's a laugh and a joke. But a year or two in and it's certain, suddenly things kick in and it's girls are problems with pals and stuff like that. So... It's always good to have someone like that in, the, um, in your locker to help them. Brilliant, that's great. Uh, favourite film or TV show? I always get slagged when I was growing up. My favourite film was always Gregory's Girl. Really? You probably remember that. I've seen it. You've seen it? Oh, yeah. I thought it was classic. I can, I can recite every line on it. I'd seen it that many times. Um, it was just one of the things. It was always a memory growing up. Mm-hmm. Great. TV show, I'd... I love The Office and mm-hmm. Phoenix Nights, all these kind of things, daft, like things that entertain me. I just, I love comedies. I'm not into all the dark stuff, but I like it. Mm-hmm. Like and finally, the best manager you played under? I think it would need to be Alan McGraw for all round. Um, Bobby was great. I loved his, um, his passion and the times he was laid back and just go with the flow. Um, Jim Jeffries was a wee bit different. He was a hairdryer. He was kind of old school at times. Yeah. The gaffer for me was just all round great guy. Brilliant. That's great. Alan, it's been an absolute pleasure to be on the show. Thanks very much. Thanks for very much. Coming on. It's been great. Thanks very much. No problem. Anytime. Enjoyed Cheers. it. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you.